This week, big tech is in the crosshairs, Fall Guys is entering the metaverse, and Sony is out of video sales. It's Sunday, March 7th, 2021, and this is episode 589 of F5 Live, Refreshing Technology. you are and however you're accessing our show whether it be on social media facebook twitter instagram or snapchat uh, through a podcatcher like apple podcasts google podcasts amazon music spotify TuneIn, or a myriad of other options through our live stream platforms livestream.com twitch periscope youtube or facebook or on our website pluggitslive.com thank you for making us a part of your day there's two ways that you can do that the first is uh, Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. You can go to f5live.tv slash join us, and there you can chat with us in the studio. Give us your feedbacks on the topics as we talk about them. Uh, if you can't join us live, that's okay. You can always go to plughitslive.com slash subscribe, and there you'll see all of our shows, including uh, F5Live, The Pilch Point, Plug Hits Live Presents, and a whole lot more, and find all of the ways to watch, listen, and follow along. Hey, Vroom. It's been uh, it's been two weeks. <laughs> so, uh, how are you doing? I think you're muted. All right, pretty oh, good. Go. <laughs> pretty pretty good. Um, you know, uh, getting into a lot of uh, projects with my son. Uh, so, you know, not um, so just a lot of different boards and things that we're getting into and then this weekend was kind of keyboard weekend a little <laughs> bit because uh, i got in a new hot swappable keyboard to test uh and uh it was really interesting to me hot swappable for those who don't know means that you can take the key switches underneath and pull them out without desoldering without you know doing a, a lot of difficult work and pop in new switches so i bought a new set of key switches that i had always wanted to try um jade box jade switches and he helped me put them in nice. and uh you know it's it's hard it's it's hard to say whether i like these better or worse they seem to be a little bit than the previous switches because they seem a little bit harder to press okay. which i thought i would like but i'm finding myself making more typos because it's not red they're they feel heavier yeah so i don't i don't know <laughs> i might go back but the the point the point was to just uh, test the ability to swap switches on sure. this keyboard um, in general, which the keyboard is not at fault for if I pick switches that I didn't like as, as much as I might have. Right. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, once again, I will say real quick without getting to, because we talked about this keyboard a bit two years ago or so, that the Hex Gears Impulse uh, keyboard, which now has been revised to be hot swappable, is uh, really a, one of the best bargains in tech. At eighty nine dollars, um, you know you're getting a really fantastic mechanical keyboard. Even if you don't swap the switches, uh, if you buy it with the white switches, which I love, you're getting an RGB, a really good quality RGB keyboard for uh, mechanical keyboard for that price. Uh, but yeah. uh, so you know we, uh, you know we spent a lot of time on that. We took my uh, my other keyboard while I was testing this one and pulled all the key caps off and cleaned it, uh, and that was. Um, that was some work mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, 
a lot of stuff with uh, doing what that we were doing with board, you know, with the boards around the, you know, different boards. So, you know, he loves his uh, micro bit uh, board, which we were, you know, which he plays with all the time. And then we took this uh, today, we took this Raspberry Pi Pico and we uh, programmed the different buttons on it to do different things on the computer, like crop something in Photoshop or in his case, uh, launches school website. If you hit one of the buttons, it's just like it launches the website. Nice. Um, we had to program that, program that in Circuit Python. Um, so uh, it's uh, you know we're just getting a variety of different different stuff done. So so kind of like having a having a, a homebrew stream deck. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You could do that with this. That's awesome. Um, in fact, I saw. I saw something over the weekend where somebody actually created, I think, a Raspberry Pi powered stream deck software that like is specifically designed to just to be a stream deck. But uh, this this right here is a um, is the Pimeroni RGB keypad and it has 16 keys on it. And if you plug a four dollar Pico into it, uh, you can program it. But originally. They still haven't provided an official library for making the keys actually act like a keyboard, okay. like keyboard keys. But if you, but I found a uh, script someone had written in CircuitPython which does it. So, um, so that's what we were playing with. Now, this is the one that has the rubbery, the cheap rubbery keys. Uh, okay. They're coming out with the uh, new Kibo, which has mechanical keys mm. and is going to cost like, like twice as much. Uh, but you know, so it depends how much you like the key feel. You sure. like key feel. Um, we've had this for a few weeks, but previously, while not being able to use it as a keyboard, Isaac programmed it to do like a light up game. So it, my his, my two year old could like hit the buttons on it, and it would light up different colors for her. That's um, awesome. It's RGB also, so you know. Um, so it's you know it's it's fun. Uh, it's it's cute. You know we're we're constantly doing stuff like that. My desk is a mess of half finished projects like that i can appreciate that um mine often is as well um i will point out that i also saw something over the weekend about um a raspberry pi stream deck software from your site <laughs> yes, yes we, <laughs> we we covered it but yeah i mean it was not with i don't think it was using this but um no. but yeah you can it I mean, I'm I'm of the opinion that you shouldn't you can never have enough buttons to press. So, uh, if I can get more things that give me more buttons, uh, I will uh, I will always take that. Well, if you are watching our live, if you're watching our show, you can see I've I've got oh, you one. have the Elgato. Yeah, I've got I've got an actual Stream Deck here under the under the desk. It's how I uh, do all of the during during stream uh switching <laughs> it's all done from from that little pad under the under the desk but the the software here has 15 buttons and i have six so you know i <laughs> i would be very very interested in uh going this direction so i'm going to read all about your uh <laughs> your article over here after the show while the show is rendering uh, anyway <laughs> um, on on my side, my big accomplishment this week is CES is done. <laughs> um, hundred and four uh, interviews all out in the wild. 
it's a long three days <laughs> of interviews. But um, we talked to some some interesting companies this year. Everything from a from a, a software that helps governments, local governments, talk to their citizens, to a uh, portable magnet powered blender. That is my favorite part of the way we do CES. We never know what we're going to be talking about. <laughs> so all of that is available at plughitslive.com slash CES. Um, or if you're subscribed to us on uh, YouTube or Facebook, you've probably already seen them. If you're subscribed on the uh, podcast to Plug Hits Live Presents, you've probably already seen them as well. But if not, go check them out. They are all there uh, in audio and video form. But obviously... You want to see these things. There were, in the entire week, there were only two people who came on audio only. So you definitely want to see these products. So that's the way to do it. With that, we've got a lot of news to talk about. So let's get down to it. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new laptop, a tablet, uh, maybe an Xbox, uh, games, or a whole lot more, you can get them at the Microsoft Store. And remember that current students, faculty, parents, and active military can save up to 10% on almost everything. You can find uh, information about that and all the deals that are currently running by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. So, um, we know that there's been a lot of uh, talk and distrust uh, uh, about big tech. Seems like the one thing that can be agreed upon uh, in the country right now is that. Um, and everybody has their own reasons, but it seems like almost everybody agrees that uh, particularly Facebook, Twitter... Um, sometimes Amazon, uh, have policies that are, or Google for YouTube, uh, have policies that are not clear that, um, they don't necessarily apply them, uh, equally. Uh, and so we have seen calls from both sides of the aisle to, uh, to investigate and, or possibly even break up some of the big guys, um, there was a lot of question about what the new administration was going to do. I think we all know where the last administration stood on big tech um, because they were very loud about it. There was question about what was going to happen under the new administration. Um, you know, uh, Silicon Valley put a lot of money into uh, the Democratic Party over the last couple of elections. Um, but they have also been loud <laughs> about investigating and uh, possibly breaking up big tech. You know, we saw um, Elizabeth Warren a couple of years ago. I think it was, I think it was almost two years ago. Now we talked about that she uh, she wanted to break up Facebook. I think, um, and so there was a lot of possibility that we were going to see kind of the same or even a, a harder take on them. And it looks like that might be what's about to happen because the Biden administration has. Um, appointed Tim Wu, who is somebody who could never have made it through a confirmation hearing, um, but 
can be a, could be appointed to a non-confirmable position, which is what's happened uh, to the National Economic Council. Um, he is a hardliner anti-big tech. Um, he uh, he actually uh, coined the term uh, net neutrality in the early two thousands. So that's a topic we've talked about a lot. Um, going back to the early days of the show. So uh, he has also, he was involved in the 2019 campaign to break up Facebook, uh, which was backed by the co-founder, um, uh, Chris Hughes. So he's actively uh, kind of anti-big tech. So this this could be an interesting couple of years. Yeah, I mean, this is one area where you're right. There is kind of uh, bipartisan um, support. Mm -hmm. But I think the reasoning, I don't know, because I think there, it kind of breaks down. I don't know that the bipartisan support is there because for the reasons, is there for the same reason? Oh, no. Right, I think. Everybody has their own reasons I for think, distrusting. <laughs> right, so I think, you know, I think some republicans or don't don't like uh, in, uh feel like some some of the social media companies are not you know are they don't like the the moderation that's been used against they feel like they've been banned unfairly right mm -hmm. um on the flip side the problem that democrats have with them is completely different which is that they think that they have too much monopoly power mm -hmm. so i don't know whether I mean, I guess this means that if Democrats want to exercise, uh, you know, antitrust powers against some of these companies, they're not going to have as many defenders. Although I think we should also be clear that uh, these companies are 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 donate uh, to all types of candidates. Absolutely. Like most businesses, like most businesses, they will they are more than happy to play both sides because whoever wins, they win. Right. Right. Um, so. So they are, you know, more than willing to pay and to 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 donate to whoever is to, to everybody on the thought that that that's going to to help their case. Mm -hmm. uh, do I think anything's going to come out of this? Not really. Um, I think it's really hard to I mean, the last time there was a major antitrust I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Last time there was a major antitrust um, breakup of a company was AT&T mm -hmm. in 1984 right. or something, right? I think you're right. The 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 um, stomach to do that kind of thing uh, again seems seems unlikely, even though we have companies that have an incredible amount of power. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, arguably a lot more than AT&T had back then. I mean, yeah. you know, Google has become, yeah, you know, Google has become, you know, just by the fact, and I know we're going to get to another story about this, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, their influence over the search market and advertising and that, you know, and all these things, I mean, that's makes an incredibly powerful company. Now, I'm not saying that they're, that, that there's anything wrong with Google or they're doing anything bad, but right. they are an extremely powerful company. Mm -hmm. And then you have, you know, and I, it's hard for me to imagine, um, 
it's hard for me to imagine anything that results in in a breakup. What I what I can see, the European Union has more of an antitrust culture, you know, enforcement, uh, more of a taste for antitrust enforcement. I could see some types of maybe consent decrees around certain around certain things where yeah. they felt that a particular practice was anti-competitive. Um, in the case of Facebook, um, I mean, there's definitely a lot of issues with the fact that, you know, now that Facebook is in this position, they can buy competitors and basically, you know, uh, put them out of business. But I, I feel like there's a decent chance at some point that, I don't know, I'm being too crazy to say this. I think that at least maybe Facebook, the company is, is sitting pretty, but I think Facebook.com, I don't know that Facebook.com is forever. Like a lot of people use it. I use it, probably shouldn't use it as much as I do, <laughs> but here's the bottom line, right? It's not cool like mm -hmm. anymore. I, the young folks don't go hanging out. On, I mean, a lot of people have Facebook accounts, but it's not cool. Yeah. And unlike Google, Google doesn't need to be cool. Like Google is useful. Google is very, very, all of the Google tools are very, very useful. Right. Um, so Facebook, who's, you know, at least primary site is based on kind of being the place that people hang out. I mean, I think, I think, I don't think it is out of the question for something to rise up and take the place of it. Yeah. I, I think, and I think I've probably said this since they made the purchase that they bought Instagram knowing that it was the thing that was already replacing it. Um, and since then they've had two big challengers come up, right? They've had, Snapchat that tried to unseat Instagram and Instagram copied all of the things that made Snapchat popular and held them off. Uh, and they still exist, but they're not like the big talking point like they were for a while. Uh, and then uh, TikTok came up and uh, what did Instagram do? They copied the things that made TikTok special and have, uh, have been kind of holding the line there a little bit. Though, in fairness, uh, most of the stuff that's uploaded to people's Instagram reels uh, has the, the TikTok watermark on it. So I don't know how hard they're holding that line. But uh, I think they're always aware that there are things trying to take them out uh, as a as a whole box. But yeah, I think, I think the Facebook proper property has, um, has seen its peak. I think it's definitely seeing a downward trajectory and probably the reason why they started putting the Facebook logo on the login page for all of the other properties that they own and then put all of the other property icons above it on all of the other properties. <laughs> So if you go to log into yeah. Instagram, you see the Facebook F, you see the, the Instagram camera, you see the WhatsApp, whatever it is, you see the Oculus O um, all on the login screen because they're trying to remind you that they're more than 
facebook.com. But you're right. They keep buying things, right? <laughs> and trying to force yeah. integration. And that's the thing that's going to ultimately get the company in trouble, I think, is, you know, the, the forced integration. Uh, because that's the thing that keeps, like, that's the, I think that's the place that both sides come together on is the idea that Facebook is integrating Instagram and WhatsApp messages, which means that the privacy policy on both of them have changed. And you know, there's a lot of concern around all of that. And there seems to be universal concern <laughs> across everybody on that. So I, everybody's creating things that I think can be rallied behind <laughs> under the right circumstances. But I think you're right. I don't think there's a breakup coming. I think there's harsh penalties, including with this, this, uh, that's not the topic we're talking about later, but the Google, uh, antitrust case that was opened by the, both the, there's two, right? There's one by the FTC and one by the DOJ, um, against Google, both opened under, under Trump. Uh, those are not going anywhere. And I have a feeling we'll have more investigations like that, that might be more about bringing awareness to what's happening than, a, than solving anything. But, you know, bringing awareness yeah. to, to bad policy is uh, how they got Google to change their their hiring practices, you know. So it can yeah. it can have positive results, too. We'll see, um, you know, when you bring a when you bring a bulldog into the into the chicken coop, things will happen. But whether or not they'll be good things, only time will tell. This week's Pilch Point with Abram Pilch is proudly powered by PureVPN. The best way to protect your privacy online is with PureVPN. You can hide your online activities, say goodbye to regional restrictions, and improve your streaming quality. Plus, it's available for almost all of your devices. And you can get a special price uh, right now by going to pilchpoint.live slash PureVPN. So uh, this week was a bit of a bit of an anniversary week uh right Avery? yeah so yeah i mean i suppose if you look back at any week you can find anniversaries of different tech products and sure. tech um tech brands and tech things this week we had there's two a, there's a uh, there's a show i don't know if it's still in production uh by one of the tech podcast members that was called this week in tech history uh, I think is what it was called, and every or today in tech history, and every day uh, he'd post a new short episode about something that had happened in the past on on that day, which was pretty cool. Anyway, so uh, this week we saw two interesting anniversaries. I'll take the least important, the le less important one first, which is uh, this was the tenth anniversary of. Intel Thunderbolt technology. So Thunderbolt is the connector that you see on a lot of high-end notebooks. Macs use it. Uh, the current generation is Thunderbolt 4, which is almost identical to Thunderbolt 3. But uh, 
you'll see it on a bunch of bunch of new notebooks. We uh, had on the Tom's Hardware show last week a couple of the lead people from Thunderbolt, uh, and they interestingly broke a little news, saying that there the next generation of Thunderbolt will be twice as fast. So right now it does forty gigabits per second, which allows it to do I think four K. 60 hertz to a monitor um, if it goes up to 80 then 80 gigabit per second then it can do faster data transfers it can do faster video all that stuff so um, you know pretty cool obviously a fairly not everybody has thunderbolt um, but uh, it's becoming more common on intel notebooks on desktops still not not so easy not so easy to find. Now, the um, the really exciting anniversary, um, although we didn't break a lot of news and they, they didn't break a lot of news this week, uh, is Raspberry Pi. So Raspberry Pi is now nine years old. Uh, the first Raspberry Pi, uh, initial Raspberry Pi was launched on February 29th, 2012. The interesting story that I like to tell my son is that he and the Raspberry Pi are the same age. His birthday is not the 29th. His birthday is actually in April, but uh, he he and Raspberry Pi are the same age, and he's been playing with it a lot, so kind of makes sense. Uh, so we put up uh, some information about some of the things that um, that you should that folks who are not super familiar with Raspberry Pi should know. Well, first of all. As, as frequent viewers of this show know, I am constantly surrounded by Raspberry Pi boards. Here's, this is a 3A that was just sitting on my table over here, uh, only because I caught my two-year-old wandering around with it. Um, I have a drawer over here full of different Raspberry Pis and different things on them. Here's one that has a, has a BrainCraft hat. Here's, here's one in there rainbow case um, and uh, over here I have one that uh, my son and I were just playing with a couple hours ago which has these different uh, what do you call break these are called breakout garden boards so you put up these different boards here that you can attach that are sensors and lights so this one is like an OLED screen and this That's one here cool. is a is an LED matrix and this one here is a light sensor um, and in a drawer I have like a color LCD screen one and I have one that's a potentiometer and uh, you pop them in and then there's code code for them um, but the the Raspberry Pi obviously this $35 computer has become very important in the world uh, there have now been 38 million Raspberry Pis sold through through January. And only 10% um, of them are in your office. That's right. That's right. I If you count peak Raspberry Pi Picos, and uh, Raspberry Pi Pico is the new, the newest Raspberry Pi, which is not really, which is not really the same kind of Raspberry Pi because it's a microcontroller. It's not, uh, you know, Raspberry Pi is a full-fledged Linux computer. You can boot in it, you can attach a monitor, a keyboard, you can browse the web, you can use it as an arcade machine, 
Uh, you can use it for robots, all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, the Pico, which is $4, is a microcontroller. And so it doesn't really run an operating system. You just, uh, you it's really good for controlling lights and motors and sensors. And you can do video output with it uh, over VGA, strangely. But um, it's not a typical, uh, it's not like a standalone computer, uh, like the regular Raspberry Pi. But if you count the, all those, I easily have more than 30 Raspberry Pis here in my in my office. So, and the reason why is once you start putting them into projects, you don't want to take it out mm -hmm. when you're working on something else. So like, you know, here's this keyboard I was showing uh, earlier that does, you know, Stream Deck stuff and it's got a Raspberry Pi Pico attached. If I yank this in and out all the time, every time I want to use this, I'm going to break the pins. So, you know, you got to leave, leave it in there. So there have been 38 million Raspberry Pis of different kinds sold since 2012. The biggest year ever was this past year, uh, 2020, where, where the company sold, sold over 7 million, I think it was 7.8 million Raspberry Pis in 2020 because I guess, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people were indoors. Uh, they wanted to, this was a good time to do projects and uh, Raspberry Pi 4 had just come out in 2019, which uh, meant that we're kind of at a new level of performance. Uh, so there have been some, some facts. The original Raspberry Pi target was to only make a thousand Raspberry Pis. So, uh, Raspberry Pi was invented by uh, by founder Evan Upton and first debuted in 2012. And his original goal was to make a computer to help Cambridge University, not every university in the world, just Cambridge University in England, get more computer science applications. So he thought if we make a thousand you know, really inexpensive, hackable, easy, you know, easily hackable, cheap computers for kids so they can play with them and they can become a little bit more tech savvy. We will increase the number of applications that we're getting for the computer science program at Cambridge. You know, we'll go up from having a couple hundred to having a few hundred more. So maybe we can make a thousand of these. And then when people found out, uh, about it, that they were going to build a $35 Linux computer, uh, the, the level of attention uh, to it uh, really took off and they turned it into a real nonprofit uh, organization that has now sold 38 million units. And about half of those units actually don't go, you know, haven't been sold to hobbyists. They're going to businesses, industrial clients who are using them for things like clusters, uh, putting them in products, things like that. So it's a very serious computer. There have been 21 models released. The Pico is the most recent, uh, but there actually, I should say, there have been at least 21 models, depending on whether you want to count the different amounts of RAM that are available in, in different units, different SKUs as their own model. I wouldn't, but there's like, you know, one, two, four, and eight gigabyte Raspberry Pi fours. So 
you could count, I would count that as one model, but you could count it as four if you wish. Uh, but counting them all as one, uh, it's 21 different models. The most popular Pi of all time was the Raspberry Pi 3B, which I know I have one lying around here somewhere. And that has sold 13.2 million units. The, uh, I think the reason for that is it was really, I think, where Raspberry Pi started to really hit its stride when that unit, when the 3B came out, which was 2016. And then it was included in a lot of kits for people to buy. And four hasn't really had time to displace it yet. So 13.2 million units. The most popular Raspberry Pi 4B, which it is available in two, four, and eight gigabytes, is the middle, the four gigabyte model. There are more than 20 different operating systems for the Raspberry Pi. So a lot of people buy a Raspberry Pi, and the first thing that they do is they, you know, if you have a Raspberry Pi, you're going to put the operating system onto a micro SD card, which you'll plug into it, and then you'll boot up off of that, and that's your operating system. And a lot of people will just download the Raspberry Pi OS, which is a form of Linux and really good and really well supported. but there are about two dozen alternatives as well, including uh, Chromium OS, which will allow you to use this like a Chromebook or a Chrome box. Uh, you can get a version of Android. You can install Windows 10 on the Raspberry Pi, uh, although it works, although it's a hack and it works very poorly. So I wouldn't recommend that. Uh, but there are also things like uh, like Libra Elect, which allows you to uh, easily run the Kodi streaming software, uh, media management software. So there's uh, there's just a lot of cool things that you can do with it, including there are some, uh, I wouldn't count these necessarily as their own operating system, but you can get a disk image that will allow you to do things like just set this up as a security camera and, and just have it work. Uh, you know, no configuration special configuration required. Uh, another fact about Raspberry Pi is that there are two Astro Pis in space. They are Raspberry Pi units that are on the International Space Station and kids can submit, kids and teens can submit their programs. I think it's only open to uh, people in the European Union, uh, but can submit their programs uh, to in a competition to possibly be run on the Astro Pies. They have just sent up new micro SD cards to the International Space Station. So they've gone from 32 to 256 gigabytes, but the Astro Pies are actually Pi, Raspberry Pi B plus models. So they're like, you know, the next step up from the original model. They're, they're not the fastest. Um, another, another fact is you can still buy um, some of the oldest pies because they do not uh, like to end of life products at the Raspberry Pi Foundation. They want people to be able to continue to buy the old stuff uh, in case they have to use it as a drop-in alternative in some project they were doing. Granted, I wouldn't recommend anybody buy a Raspberry Pi uh, one, two, or three unless you had something like a case or something that you had to put it in. 
Uh, but I'd recommend getting the latest one, the four, or getting the tiny zero for small things. Uh, another thing to note is that the price of the Raspberry Pi has actually dropped over the last nine years relative to inflation. So the, the base level main Raspberry Pi right now is the $35 Raspberry Pi 4 with two, with two gigabytes of RAM. That is, it has a quad core processor that runs at 1.5 gigahertz that is 40 times faster than the 700 megahertz processor on the original Raspberry Pi. It has two gigabytes of RAM when the original had 256, uh, mega, 256 megabytes. It has wife 802.11ac Wi-Fi. The original Pi had no Wi-Fi. It has dual HDMI out. It has USB 3 instead of USB 2 ports. And yet it is the same $35. If you were to look at what $35 and $2012 is today, that's $39.88. So you are getting more computer for less money today, more computer for equivalent of less money today. Um, finally, there is a pie war every year. There is a, a uh, convention, a competition called Pi Wars. It's not like a real war, but it is a non-destructive robot competition. By non-destructive, we mean it's not like battle bots. You don't, you don't uh, destroy your opponent's robot, but they have competitions where you that are both autonomous and not autonomous, where you either uh, have your Pi robot go through an obstacle course or one where you drive it. They have a bubble popping, a balloon popping thing where uh, you and an opponent have balloons on each other that you can pop, but you can't destroy each other's robot. Uh, and that's called Pi Wars. And that uh, the next one will be taking place in July 2021. Uh, so uh, anyway, those are just some quick facts about Raspberry Pi for folks who haven't gotten started with Raspberry Pi yet. I really encourage you to check out our Raspberry Pi getting started guide, our overall Raspberry Pi guide on tomshardware.com. We will help you pick which Raspberry Pi to buy. We will help you get set up uh, so you too can have a lot of fun with your family or doing serious stuff like creating security cameras, IoT devices, learning to program, uh, creating a weather station, building a robot, uh, Raspberry Pi can really do it all. And that's why uh, it is one of the most popular computers in the whole history of technology and why there are so many people who are part of the Raspberry Pi community. Yeah, and it's a, it's a super active community. It's a, I, I, the, the maker community is always active, but there's, there's something special inside of the, the Raspberry Pi community. Yeah. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, that's that's something to keep in mind is that like you might say like, okay, there's you might read and they're like, oh, there's something called the banana pie that's coming out. Maybe, you know, maybe there's the Beagle board or the NVIDIA Jetson or other things that are coming out that are single board computers that maybe have some technological advantage over the Raspberry Pi. Maybe it, it gives you more ports or maybe the processor is faster or, or whatever. Although right now the, the Pi 4 is 
pretty good, you know, pretty good speed. But the thing is, it's the the support. The support really matters because if you want a program to do something, if you want an accessory that does something, you will find it because someone else has probably already done it. Whereas, you know, go out and try and find find a lot of support for say the Nvidia Jetson Nano or uh, go out and find something for the Asus Tink Tinkerboard. I mean, there are people who are into those, sure, but there are not millions and millions of people. There's not a constant flow of innovation going on like this. Right. Uh, ju there just isn't. It, um, the Reddit community for Raspberry Pi is 2.3 million users. That's just the Reddit community. Right. Yeah, it's, and, and you know, we've, we've used them a lot uh, at, at Amrock. There's, there's just so much you can do with it and they're so inexpensive. <laughs> it's, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to ignore. Yeah. I mean, it's the prod, it's like all different projects and, you know, lately my son and who's eight, who's really good with these, uh, you know, simple enough for an eight-year-old advanced enough for an 80-year-old uh <laughs> advanced enough for an it manager of any age so uh you know we've done projects ranging from building a controller that can remote control a remote control a nintendo switch over the internet to building to using it for like you know with cameras to using it with you know with sensors to building just a crazy amount of different robots with them uh, robots that can do image recognition using it as a smart speaker uh, the the sky is really the limit for sure and you know the 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 fact that that you have gotten and and by you I mean the more the royal you the Tom's hardware uh, community has gotten so behind it uh has really helped uh make it a little more mainstream not just not just the maker community but you've brought it brought it uh, uh a, a i wouldn't take any i wouldn't take any credit for anything the all i can say is that i personally really have have been into it and enjoyed it a great deal so when i became editor-in-chief of tom's hardware i decided that it was going a topic that enthused knowing as a topic enthusiast like said hey this is a topic that we should really put uh effort into and we put effort into it and people come you know we do get some people coming to us for that but there's a lot of other great resources on raspberry pi too it is a tremendous community and and we're just a really small part of it so not even a big part of it but it's, but, but um, it's good to be part of but it. It. the 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 more yeah it's the more it's, faces it's uh, you know more public it's, faces it's the more possible it's good exposure. to be part of it I do uh, for folks, I think I've mentioned this before, but on Tuesdays at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, I do a weekly show called the called the Tom's Harbor Piecast, uh, where we have different people from the Raspberry Pi community come on and talk. So it's uh, it's fun. For sure. And like you said, there's lots of resources on Tom's Hardware. And uh, like I said at the top of the show, there's an article that I saw earlier that I cannot wait to read myself about the, uh, the stream deck kind of thing. So, <laughs> uh, as always, 
I appreciate I always appreciate the topics that that you bring and I always look forward to what we're talking about next. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. Get all the accessories you need to up your game on your PC, console, or mobile device from Razer. Whether you're looking for a gaming mouse and keyboard like we use here in the studio, a webcam and light to make your Twitch stream better, or an entire system, uh, you can find all of it at Razer by going to f5live.tv slash Razer. Now, one of the topics that's been pretty constant for us over the last year has been talking about Epic Games, and that's because you never quite know what's coming next with them. Um, the The expansion of the Epic Game Store has uh, has finally put pressure on on uh, Valve, which has been, you know, kind of you know, Steam has been kind of the go to place for PC gaming for so long, um, and it's put some pressure and some competition, and we know. Uh, competition brings new ideas and uh, that that promised redesign from Steam finally happened. Um, uh, they keep buying things and uh, this week they uh, announced that they had purchased um, Mediatonic, which is the studio behind the popular Fall Guys game. If you've not played, but you spend any time on social media, you have absolutely tripped across a meme uh, by uh, that of of a colorful guy that looks like a marshmallow with um, diving goggles. <laughs> That's Fall Guys, and um, so they've uh, Epic has brought them into the fold, and there's been a lot of talk about why. Um, it would seem at first that the reason would be obvious that it's a it's a direct competitor to uh, to um, Fortnite, which is Epic's big cash cow right now, both on streaming and on playing. But there's more to it than that. Um, one of the things that we haven't talked about a lot when it comes to Epic has been the Epic Games Metaverse. It's something that the CEO, uh, Tim Sweeney, has talked about off and on, um, publicly and loudly, but not as frequently as you would think based on his excitement about it. The idea is um, basically a virtual world. PlayStation Home is a pretty uh, basic example of the concept and that failed because there was no content uh but epic games wants to have something like that and if you've been following what we've been talking about over the last uh 12 months uh we've talked a lot about kind of the weird things that fortnite has done within the game like screening an entire movie or having a a live concert uh, those are all things that fit into that metaverse concept. One of the things that Sweeney has said is that for the concept to work and for it to not be PlayStation Home, there has to be content and it has to be varied and it has to be interesting. 
And so, uh, Fall Guys has obviously been able to do that. Um, their Twitter account is more meme than information. <laughs> they have created an environment of entertainment around the game. And I think that's got a lot to do with, uh, with why Epic wanted it. Um, you know, Sweeney himself even said that, that it was a, a big part of, of the interest in the studio because they know how to create uh, an engaging community. And that's, that's the idea behind the metaverse. I, d- I don't know, Avram. I, I have been so torn on this concept over the years. I know it grew out of a sci-fi story from like the 50s, the, the word metaverse, and it's gone, you know, a little weird, but we have the technology to do it today. I just don't know if enough people will care. What do you think? Well, let's see. I mean, are we talking about something really along the lines of third of second life? Ish. A a little more interesting than that, but sure. That's another, that's another good. (laughs) The idea of what. Yeah. That's another example of the core concept. Where it's where right. where it's not a, a an MMO where you go in and there's goals. <laughs> that was right. the thing about Second Life, right? There was, um, <laughs> there was a, a great joke on the office. There's there's no tasks or accomplishments, no winners or losers, and then Jim says, "Oh, there's losers." Uh, and I I have a feeling that more people are on the Jim side than on the Dwight side of that conversation. Right. So, I mean, we've seen the last year, and now it's been almost exactly a year that people have been nine days short. uh, Yeah, that people have been in a a lockdown mode, and it's and it's not. I mean, granted, some folks have taken the lockdown more seriously than others and continue to do so, but you know, I think a lot of people have seen that they're you know, they're kind of trapped indoors and they're not spending as much time with, with real people. And on top of this, the internet has shown us over the course of time that a lot of us are working with people and friendly with people who don't live near us. So even if we could just, you know, go out the door, we couldn't just, we couldn't see the people and socialize with them uh, that we want to all the time. So creating a shared environment that was, worthwhile would be great i think the question is what how will you how will you accomplish that Mm -hmm. i mean we we have a lot of different ways that have been attempted to accomplish that uh and you know it's obviously a lot of things happen with people playing games together already and that's been going on a long time uh so so there's that are you going to try and do something there have been weddings in in world of warcraft yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, so there's been stuff like that going on a long time, and of course, there's also one thing that I guess plays in this conversation was was it this past week or the week before that Microsoft was talking about 
uh, new HoloLens stuff and yeah, using at, at HoloLens for shared environments? In Insight? No. In doesn't matter. Yeah, their their conference this week. Yeah. So that's in, another including uh, uh, work with Niantic on uh, Pokemon Go for the HoloLens, which they have teased before. <laughs> Yes, we will. I I, I wouldn't will recommend holding your breath. breath. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't hold my breath for that. But I, I would love to see how I, I got to try Hololens when it was just coming out a few years ago. I still think that that is the best mm -hmm. AR thing that I've demoed. Uh, the best AR or VR thing that I've demoed. I had one in my possession for so long, and I had to give it back, and it killed me to give it back. Did you get to use it for much? Oh yeah, I I I was doing some some test software stuff on it. We were we were because cool, uh, building something in uh, partnership with the military. But I think for as far as like consumer apps, I don't know if there really are many for Hololens that people can use right now because it has been such a niche, yeah, expensive niche product. That's the the cost is the thing that's killed it. But you can, one could see where you really could use this. Like yeah. I would love to, instead of going to meetings that are video conferences, go to meetings in VR. Yeah. The, I would, you know, the, the, the teams thing that they, uh, ignite, that's it. That they, <laughs> the, the, the Microsoft teams thing, uh, for HoloLens that they, that they showed off at ignite is, is kind of that. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would very much like it to feel a little bit more like having a conference on you know, on Star Trek Discovery, where you look around and well, you need they don't have headsets, but it's like someone's full body is kind of beamed into your space, and so it would be, it would be kind of cool if, if you if you could have something where it was more like spending time with the person, right? But. You know, wh where are we on that? We, you know, we've talked, even Google wasn't able to keep their VR dreams alive, right? Their, their daydream is dead. Um, the, v VR has, has also had trouble gaining any kind of traction. And it's a bit of a catch 22, right? There's, there's no great content, which makes people less interested in buying the hardware, which makes developers less interested in developing great content it's the same vicious cycle that that killed windows phone um and many other blackberry and you know all kinds of other projects before it um i maybe epic has the has i mean with all this this talent and heaps of cash <laughs> behind them maybe they finally have the longevity to be able to produce something that would be the killer app for for ar or vr that could finally you know make the technology something that that people would clamor for uh maybe and by the way that kind of thing getting back to an earlier conversation we had somebody who gets that right and makes it really addictive that could be the thing that really dethrones Facebook. Yeah, true. Because, you know, so Facebook's got their virtual thing 
but it's tied to Facebook, which dirties it for people, right? That just naturally by having their name on it, it dirties it a little bit. Um, and, you know, Oculus being forced to have a Facebook account now dirties it too. But um, yeah, if, if somebody could get really get it right, that could be, that could be the thing that, that Facebook couldn't buy and keep going with because their involvement would dirty it enough that it wouldn't be the success that it had been under somebody like Epic. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. They've been, they've been building up to this for a while. I do think, I do think that, that tonic games is, is a good uh, piece of the puzzle because they are good at creating a community around a thing that's not all that community able and they did you know what i mean it's it's a very transient game and yet they've managed to build a very strong community around it so you know their ideas their content along with the fortnite content and all the things that that comes with you know i they're building a good portf portfolio <laughs> if they if they wanted to to build a virtual world with the strength of the marvel cinematic universe I, I think they're putting that together so they might be the ones to do it we'll see this week's news from the tubes and f5 live is probably powered by riff tracks make fun of movies and let these guys do it for you mike nelson bill corbett and kevin murphy the former stars of Mystery Science Theater 3000 are back and doing what they do best, creating commentaries for Hollywood blockbusters and B-movie oddities. It's like watching a movie with your funniest friends and to find, uh, find out about all of the full-length features, the short films, TV episodes, and live events, uh, you can go to f5live.tv slash rifftracks with an X. So we know that privacy has become a hot topic uh, over the last six months in particular when it comes to, um, we talked big tech uh, earlier and privacy is one of the concerns there. Um, you know, Apple really shook things up when they announced that uh, iOS 14.5 was going to allow users to uh, reject um an app's ability to use the uh, tracking ID. Uh, and then last year, Google surprised everybody, I think, when they announced that uh, global tracking cookies uh, would be a thing of the past sometime in 2022. Um, they've talked about the replacement in concept, um, it's it's called uh, Privacy Sandbox. The idea is right now, the way Google uh, tracks behavior for advertising is that basically through the tracking cookies, all of your browsing activity is sent to uh, Google's advertising servers where a profile is then created about you and uh, can then create targeted ads for you. Now... The difference with the privacy sandbox is almost all of that work is pulled down to your browser. Uh, so the browsing history isn't pushed up. The, the 
profile isn't created remotely. It's all done within your browser. And the only thing that goes out is um, the, the actual profile, the interest profile. And then advertisers have the ability from there to target interest groups in, according to Google, in similar ways uh, to how they do now, um, though there will be lots of demographical information that will be lost in this transition. Google says this is the way uh, advertisers want it ever anyway. Advertisers don't necessarily agree, which is interesting with Google trying to speak on behalf of the advertisers and the advertisers going, ah, I don't think you've quite got it. Uh, so this is going to be an interesting transition. They've got sometime in 2022 is when it's all supposed to go into, go into place. So they've got at most what a year and a half to, uh, to, to, to figure out with the advertisers what's up. This could be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think, hasn't it already started to an extent? Um, so the only thing that's happening currently is that um, if you open your console, you get uh, warnings about cookies that uh, in the future will not run. That's that's what's going on right now. So if you, if you hit F12 and open the console and browse the internet, you will see red warnings <laughs> just going but crazy here's the, as you browse here's the, the thing doesn't this doesn't this advantage google because google is one of the world's biggest ad ad traffickers around so they have your they have your data from your google account when you're on google when you're on gmail when you're on even on other sites i think that are using google adsense so by Getting rid of third-party cookies, are they not? Are they not in effect helping themselves? Uh, no, uh, because those tracking cookies won't uh, run if they're not issued by the domain that they're running on. So, no, that information actually won't be transmitted back. Um, just the just the profiles, theoretically, and that. So that's that's the thing. So okay. So a, a good friend of ours, uh, uh, Brian uh, Hendrigan from Advocado, um, was quoted this week after the after Google tried to address this, uh, and and he said that it's somewhat of a wolf in sheep's clothing approach by the largest digital advertising vendor on the planet. Their claim to eliminate individual tracking IDs may seem like a win for private privacy advocates. It's actually more of a land grab, which is exactly what you're saying. So yes, that yeah, there's a lot of concern that that's what it is. Now, obviously, we don't know how they're going to behave, right? They're saying this is the way we're going to behave, and a lot of people in the industry are going, yeah, we don't trust that. <laughs> there's no way that's what they're going to do. Yeah, I mean, Google is already at a, you know, huge advantage in the ad in the ad space in terms of ad serving, ad tracking, all that stuff. Uh, and even if you even if let's say you even if let's say things that are served on sites that don't belong to Google but serve via Google AdSense 
don't have access to these third don't have access to this demographic information still people spend so much of their time on google mm -hmm. services like like google search and gmail and youtube that even if they hurt their off-site business they're probably even further advantaging themselves in their first party you know google ads on google service so you know it's not i i'm concerned about i'm concerned about publishers mm -hmm. yes I mean, no i mean look nobody likes nobody likes the thought of all these advertising cookies that are going around that people can then use to serve you up things that look a little creepy to you like oh i browsed this website and considered buying this thing and now i just can't stop getting ads for it it's, wherever i go or god forbid i mention something weird in the vicinity of my phone and then start getting ads for it <laughs> those are the ones people that are always me. saying that thing people are always saying that and i have to ask has there ever been any evidence that that's the case because that would really be a problem i so so i had never searched for led walls because why would i there to get one of any valuable size it's a hundred thousand dollars i don't have the budget for that but michelle and i were joking about it one day um because we were at this facility and i made the joke this is a million dollars worth of screens and there's no way they're ever going to generate enough revenue to pay for it. I would like to buy them, uh, out of liquidation. And, uh, the next day Facebook was showing me, uh, local companies that rent and sell led screens, led walls. Now, now could it have been because I was at a place that rents access to a room with a curved LED wall and Google Maps tracked it. Yeah, there's there's hundreds of reasons why that's why that could be the case, right? But it is it is funny when things like that happen and you're like, well, wouldn't you love to know what uh what I connection mean, was that, made there? If I mean believe me, I've had similar stories. My wife is always saying things about it. That to me, like I think we should distinguish between things that are a pro real problem and things that are. Right. Like if that were happening, which there's no definitive evidence that right. it is. And if it was, there probably would be illegal uh, for your phone to just be recording you mm -hmm. and sending data like that back to whomever, Google, Facebook, I don't know. Yeah. That would be really serious because then you have a device in your pocket spying on you. Right. What, what we're talking about online is advertisers dropping a cookie which theoretically i don't think knows your name or or anything like that it Sometimes. just knows that you have you know shown an interest in this product right. or something like that or you've and read then or you've read you... an article on a topic and maybe you start seeing things related to that i i get that all the time post ces I start seeing ads for our guests like crazy. <laughs> so now here's the question though. Why? I mean, now granted 
some of that stuff is super creepy and I don't and I don't like it. But is it really hurting anyone? No. It's what it's doing is it's allowing these publishers and advertisers to like, you know, make some money. Mm -hmm. And frankly, some of the ads that I get hit with as a result of this stuff are probably better than the ads I would get hit with without it. Yes. Like, yeah. So I'm getting hit with like a million ads for things that I, I, I looked up on Amazon right. or whatever, like fine, better to whack me over the head with that. Then it show me a, a more ads about how boiling bananas is going to help me cleanse my colon <laughs> or whatever. Oh, yeah. Oh, the ads when targeting fails are weird, aren't they? I mean, to be fair, I get those anyway. Because, like, a lot of websites have stuff where if you scroll to the very bottom of the page, you get, um, I'm trying to remember the name of it. There's, like... There's like two or three services that do these sort of related content ads uh -huh. and they're just really over the top yes, and they are. you get those even with tracking cookies because they're not tracking anything right yeah. so you get it's it's and they're, they're it's always the highest, worst highest dollar is is what shows up there it's got nothing to do with your history they couldn't care less but it's always like there are always like three kinds of ads there there's like this one thing will clear your bowels mm -hmm. as if like that was something everybody really wants to do. Uh, and there's, then it's there's like, the, is oh, this the new normal uh, showing, showing uh, guys with, with weight here. I, I see that one in that, right. that bar a lot. <laughs> oh, and then I, I always see ones that's like, it's some picture of someone from the past is like, remember her, uh -huh. what she looks like now is, jaw-dropping you know and or that, it'll be something like and then that person is never in that that slideshow yes that's <laughs> that's right yeah it's always like or it'll be like celebrities who died and then you'll see someone other like in the picture like oh man i didn't know that person was dead and you'll click through and they're not even the they're not in there yeah whatever so 24 yeah, celebrities you didn't know were gay and then you look at the picture you're like wait what and they're not in the slideshow <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're trying to get you. It's, it's. I mean, I guess it's like the equivalent of the supermarket checkout line of, yeah. of, of ads. Yeah. Right. It's 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 just it's just terrible. So, it frankly, if someone wants to keep surfing me ads for like, Raspberry Pi add-on boards that right. I checked out. Fine. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fine. And and Brian know? Brian goes on to say the real losers are competitors to the Google ad products, advertisers, and even consumers. Consumers will receive less targeted ads, and advertisers will have more ad waste. So, yeah, and and publishers will not be able to charge as much money. Yep. for the ads. Although, one could make a case, and granted, I don't think that um you know advertisers are always very rational to these sorts of cases they're not always very convinced but one could make a case that that having less tracking means that quality content is worth more right could be um because oh well we can't target this to you can't target this ad to just to anybody anywhere so if you go to my article that's written about mm -hmm. this topic well, that's how you're going to know you're getting the True. right person. True. 
Yeah, um, that would be that so, would be your way. Like the old days, that would be your way of of properly targeting your audience is by finding content that aligns with the audience you're looking for. Online advertising, it's just weird. I'll never understand <laughs> how I, I'll never understand that the thought process, but like I, I should, but I'll never really understand the thought process behind people who are buying advertisements on the internet versus buying them on television versus buying them uh, in print because uh, online there's so much tracking that everything is considered kind of a fail unless somebody clicks through and buys something. Mm -hmm. uh, well, not always, but very often it's like, Oh, you ran on this and you didn't get a lot of clicks. Oh, that ad wasn't a success. Right. But, but if I run an ad on television and I don't know who clicked on my ad, but I still can, <laughs> but I still think it's okay. Interestingly, right. Uh, that is that, that correlation is, uh, what, what Brian's company does. <laughs> oh, he tries to figure out what the effectiveness of a television ad. He actually, they're able, they, uh, listen to television and are able to start running Google ads when your ad runs in conjunction so that you can, uh, so that you can track, uh, people who are searching for the thing that you're talking about in your ad <laughs> or content. That's, that's interesting. Isn't it cool? That's interesting. But it, yeah, well, that at least that would, if you want to consider that a, a, a success, we don't know if they, they, they bought your product, but the, but you think about it, the, the way that advertisers judge online success is really quite unfair, has always been quite unfair because there's mm -hmm. so much data. Yeah. It's like, oh, think, of, think about this. If you saw a commercial for Burger King at 11.30 p.m. and you don't turn off the television, get in the car, run out to Burger King right now and buy a Whopper, that means that that ad was a fail. Like that, I mean, we don't, that's the only medium that's mm -hmm. judged like that. Nobody yeah. says, oh, we had an ad in the newspaper and somebody didn't put down the newspaper immediately and go <laughs> and go buy something. Right. Like it, it, I mean, you have ads for, for cars running at 11 o'clock at night. I mean, if I don't turn off the television and run to the car dealership, which isn't open at 11 o'clock at night, like, does that mean that ad is a fail? I mean, there's there's rarely um, any credit given for like building mind share mm -hmm. with uh, with online advertising, whereas every other type of advertising is exact is exactly that. And you know, so, that's, that's one of the things that even in in our space, right in in the podcasting space or the the live streaming space, it's not we're not necessarily judged on immediate click through, right? We're we're we talk a lot about you know, building relationships, right? I, not everybody went out and bought one of these microphones when, when Neat came on as a partner. And, you know, we've, we've talked about Neat a lot. We're both using them now. And, and yeah. you know, everybody didn't jump on and necessarily go out and, and buy one, but we know that people became aware of them in the same way that TV accomplishes that or print media accomplishes that. It really is just kind of like web display ads that are that are judged so harshly. So, yeah, yeah, it's so 
I don't know. Maybe with less tracking, they will uh, be considered more for branding. I don't know. Maybe. But uh, it, I, I fear that what's going to happen is that it's just going to lead to lower lower CPMs mm-hmm. and therefore less revenue to pay to pay people to create quality content. Yeah, that's that's my fear. It's it's Brian's fear as well. But you know, there's there's possibly ways of 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 playing in that arena. You know, that's that's what our space is all about. You know, we can actually even with a with a, a lower audience number, we have high engagement with our audience. We actually are able to charge more um, because our audience is engaged with you and I, as we were talking about before the show. Right? We have. We have a whole conversation going from a month ago on the on the Alienware uh, laptop that you showed off in the Pilch Point. We've got people who are helping each other with questions about about specs and stuff like that. Our audience is engaged, so you know maybe maybe we'll see that come back to the web. There's no telling, um, and we've got time. Maybe you know. Google's going to get pressured into talking more about this, um, and they're going to have to sit down with, with the, the the ad agencies and and discuss this at some point and figure out what the future looks like. And we will definitely keep people posted on that. This week's DRM not included in F5 Live is probably powered by Amazon Prime. You know you get free shipping, uh, but did you know you also get free music with Amazon Prime Music? You get free TV, movies, and documentaries with Amazon Prime Video, and you get free games and a free Twitch subscription every month to help support the content creator uh, of your choice with Amazon Prime Gaming and, of course, a whole lot more. To learn more, to get quick links to all these features, uh, and uh, if you're not a subscriber, we've got a 30-day free trial, uh, and we have the ability to give it as a gift. There's all kinds of resources for you, whether you are or are not a subscriber, all by going to f5live.tv slash prime. And, you know, things like that uh, might become more prevalent, too, uh, while we're transitioning from topic to topic right you know with with uh you know twitch subscriptions youtube is is uh has introduced it there's the there's the star chat i think they call it facebook uh has the ability to do that patreon there's you know there's other ways to support content creators we may see stuff like that start to grow as well um but you know with with amazon prime you can basically give a couple of bucks to a content creator. Uh, it doesn't cost you anything. Anyway, so um, we've talked a lot about um, kind of the the buildup of, uh, of video, especially over the last year. Uh, we gave, we mentioned nine days short of, short of a year um, on the lockdowns. Um, we've seen a lot of, a lot of growth in, in video content and a lot of it has been in the streaming space. Um, players that had gotten out of streaming have started to get back in, uh, Redbox, for example, right? Um, players that were already in the space 
have pivoted their approach. Uh, you've got, you know, NBC. Uh, yes, we do read our chat. Uh, we will we will deal with questions at the end of the show in a few minutes. Um, uh, you know, NBC kind of pivoted from NBC.com to Peacock. Um, while some stuff is still on NBC.com, they are definitely pushing towards Peacock. HBO kind of consolidated everything under uh, the HBO Max brand, uh, including you know stuff outside uh, DC, for example. Uh, another company that's doing that apparently is Sony, um, because digital media sales have been down. Um, Year over year over year. And there's a couple reasons. One, we talked about um, six months ago, eight months ago, uh, when Amazon lost a lawsuit because they removed content from people's accounts that had purchased the content. Um, and they said, yeah, you weren't actually purchasing the content. You were purchasing the rights to use it for as long as we have the rights. Um, and people didn't quite realize that. So that caused a lot of people to not want to purchase content because it could vanish at any point. And we've seen, you know, information holding across all of the internet, um, whether it be, whether it be, you know, purchasing a book and it disappears or videos and it disappears. So people are going back to, to physical copies of things. Makes sense. If you're building a collection, most people want to have a thing to collect. Uh, and on the other side, streaming services, there's, I know there's a bunch of them, but, you know, if you just want to rent something, renting a movie generally is about the same cost as a Netflix subscription anyway. So a lot of people have gone that way. So Sony has decided that the PlayStation Store will no longer sell or rent movies and TV uh, later this year. Uh, at the same time, uh, having their anime brand Funimation purchase the anime streaming service Crunchyroll, so uh, that suggests to me that that Sony has made kind of the same decision as as the rest of of the uh, the media world and and followed the trend, uh, and and I I think I can understand it. So. Do we know for a fact that people are buying media less? I mean, yes, there's been some buying. I, I shouldn't say buying media, buying streaming, not buying cloud-based uh, movies less than they were, because it might just be the case that what Sony is seeing is that people don't want to keep their collection in an off-brand, and when it comes to uh, PlayStation, that's not i mean that's mm -hmm. not a place where people think of to to buy their movies true i mean Apple, how is itunes doing like that's a place where people consistently buy a apple has seen uh, a decrease in in digital media sales but not a huge one because with buying movies and tv on we'll say itunes itunes doesn't exist anymore but apple video or apple tv or whatever brand it falls under now um uh gives you the ability to download and keep which is um i believe at this point unique to that platform i don't think there's anybody else that offers that anymore 
I think it all has uh, DRM uh, uh, expirations now. So, but they have seen a decrease in, in sales as well. Um, their numbers have been down. Which might be, yeah, which might explain can... why Apple TV Plus has become a big, uh, uh, a big focus for them. Maybe. Yeah, I, th I think there, I mean, there's some interesting questions here. It depends on how people are, are utilizing their media, right? Um, I will admit I no longer have a, an optical disc player that I regularly use. So I have a bunch of Blu-rays and DVDs that I like never, ever, ever use. Mm -hmm. uh, I could like plug in the Xbox or whatever to play one if I really wanted to. But I feel like a lot of people are probably feeling like I don't want physical media. But on the other hand, the issue of buying stuff on, on Amazon or buying stuff on PlayStation or well, buying stuff on variety of platforms is well we don't know whether how long this mm -hmm. this is going to last plus it is not easy to switch back and forth between the different services right so you really want to consolidate and i don't think many people would want to consolidate their video collection into playstation right and the fact that they canceled is is a good reason not to because what's going to happen to people who bought video on playstation right a fair question. Um, I believe, in fairness, I believe that the PlayStation uh, Store was a member of Movies Anywhere, uh, which would mean that any of the other Movies Anywhere uh, partners, um, the content will still be there. So, so you'd still have a dozen or so other platforms where the the movies and or TV would still exist. But I believe. That if everybody in the movies anywhere uh, ecosystem were to were to uh, kick out, that I think I think all of those purchases essentially get information hold. I think they all go uh, <laughs> into oblivion. So now, not great. Maybe also the way I think the way that streaming has evolved over the last couple of years also points to having libraries of content that are consistent that so therefore people don't need to buy mm -hmm. uh, for for example cbs now paramount plus um, has a consistent library of all the star trek shows right so where somebody might have in past bought dvd or blu-ray or vhs mm -hmm. in the day uh, box sets. I won't, of... I won't admit to having the entire original series on uh, VHS. Right. Um, they now know, okay, as long as I'm subscribed to this service, um, they're going to continue to have those shows, mm -hmm. which is a little bit different than, than say, Netflix, where, well, Netflix have its Netflix own shows will you know, if we'll you want to watch Stranger Things right. five years from now, we can pretty well guarantee that it that it will be there. Right. But but there's constantly things coming and going. And and God from... forbid, we'll we'll continue to use the Star Trek example, right? There was a period of time where the first four were on Netflix, and then the next three were on Amazon Prime, and then there were 
several more on Hulu, but nobody had the whole nobody had the whole set. If you wanted to watch them, God forbid you wanted to watch them in order, um, you had to bounce around from service to service, which is obnoxious. And that's right. that's what you're talking about. We're seeing we're seeing collections of things kind of go back to their owners and live live in those places. So uh, it's becoming a little more predictable with stuff like that. So like Disney Plus, the same thing. Right. Right. I mean, the whole Disney library. Right. Uh, Peacock, NBC Universal stuff, you know, uh, the majority of it, almost everything that is streamable because those rights exist in some way, shape or form in any yeah, um, are there. Yeah. So it's. So as long as you're willing to subscribe to all these things, I mean, in a way, if you were a person who ever bought Blu-rays or, or DVDs, you might just be better off just subscribing to all of these things because, I mean, it's like having a huge collection of Blu-rays as long as you keep paying for them. And there's, you know, there, there's a lot of people who have who have gone that way. You know, I haven't I haven't purchased media digitally or physically in in ages and the only content that I have in my movies anywhere uh, ecosystem account is because they've been given to me in one way or another. Most of them from the movies anywhere partners. Um, So, you know, I, I, I watch stuff on, uh, on streaming one way or another. So it, it definitely seems to be the way, the way things have gone. So, it makes sense for for Sony to uh, to kind of follow suit. Well, that is our show. Before we go, we've got um, <laughs> we've got a a question in the chat room. Um, I'm assuming that the video about the old monster illuminescence that you watched is one of the how-to videos on how to pair. The remote to the lights has have has anything changed since then yes there's a video about how there is a massive defect in that product line um what you want to do is you want to swap it for the monster smart illuminescence line uh we've got videos on those as well uh you can go to uh walmart and make that swap in fact the replacement the smart ones are what's running behind me right now and uh the ones that you watched me uh, interact with in the videos have all been retired. <laughs> so they have been replaced all through our office and studio. So uh, that's what you want to do. Uh, with, with that, um, I, I think that does it for us. Uh, so on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we will see you back next time. Ciao.